0: Pursuit Of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, The Pursuit Of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go.
1: Hello, good people, and welcome to The Pursuit Of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, Artist Development, New Leonard Media. With me is the boss, Mark Wilson, President, New Leonard Media. How's hey. it going today? It's going great. Ryan, I like your shirt. I heard Thanks. you got a new gig. I did get a new gig. That's enough talking about us. Today, our guest is Gary Howe, Advocacy and Communications Director with Norte. How are you?
2: I'm fine. What's with the shirt, though? Don't go that fast. <laughs>
1: We talked about ourselves enough. This oh, is right. about our Got guests. It. That was more than enough <laughs> answer, right? Would you agree?
2: <laughs> well, it is a very fine shirt, and congratulations on the you know new You job. know what's
1: hilarious? I might not have
0: edited that out, and I might just mention that Ryan explains the bit to every guest oh, before, and this one time we didn't. Yeah, so <laughs> we intentionally kind of edit. cut each, so each other so off. look oh, on Gary's I mean, face was priceless.
2: Like, it's, whoa,
1: it's a bit is he going to do beginning. that to me? Oh,
2: I understood. Yeah. I was just bringing it back.
1: All right. So I'll start over here. Our guest today oh. is Gary Howe, Advocacy and Communications Director with Norte. How are you, Sarah? Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. It's our happy pleasure. to be here. This is a great little setup you have. Thank you,
1: thank you. Hopefully, you're comfortable. Looking at what you do, so the listeners have a framework. What does your role with Norte and Compass, and was this position there since the beginning, or did it kind of form organically?
2: Oh, no. Norte has grown gangbusters since 2015, starting with just Ty, the co-founder, and Laura Otwell was there at the beginning as well, and then a slew of volunteers. Um, Now we're in the seventh year, and we're looking at, I think we have about eight core staff, and then we have literally 70 to 80 coaches, those seasonal employees, so some who check in for a little bit. So anyway... Just to emphasize the growth um, and my role, I was originally hired part-time as advocacy director to help just kind of with those uh, relationships with our municipal partners, our school partners, as well as the neighborhood citizen advocates, as I call them, Mm -hmm. just to help kind of provide some direction to that, put together tools for folks to use, um, and just to assist wherever we can since then that was in 2019 when i was hired on i believe first thing i was hired on to was to teach an advocacy academy which is a six-week course um, that had been developed prior to me coming on i came on in the second year of that and that happens in february and that is a direct like six-week course about you know what does it take to engage and represent at your local level and what are some best practices what are tools you need so anyway that's what i was kind of came on to yeah. and um just last December, December 2020, was when I came on as full-time as adding the
1: communications role. Excellent. So what drew you to Norte?
2: Um, You know, I've been a walk and roll advocate for <laughs> many years. So, um, you know, I, I actually, you know, 2009 is when I started to kind of speak up a little bit more and just noted like, hey, there's investments that need to be made and if we're for instance, if we're going to tear up a street and totally reconstruct it, which was happening in 2010, a section of 8th Street by Family Fair was going to be ripped up, closed down for a whole summer and reconstructed. And the original plan was to put it back in the exact way it was. So that raised you know, my interest because I was like, whoa, whoa, that's a missed opportunity. And that's you're creating a liability for the next generation. Right. So if we're going to reconstruct it, let's redesign it and really make it more accessible for everybody and not just everybody for me as a resident for my neighbors as residents like when we want to have choices we want to walk we want to bike we want to take the bus and we we drive so make it for everything yeah and whenever you reconstruct a road that's a generation lasting investment yeah if not two generations because usually that next reconstruction isn't a full reconstruction it's just a A fix up. It's so, an
1: interesting way of putting it. I don't think people look at it. They just look at the immediate impact on them right now yep. and the inconvenience yep, and don't see the eyes on the prize for the next generation.
2: And the key is it's not about you. Yeah. And that's really when I look at advocacy, it's great if you have an issue that is close to you and you want something for yourself, but the public space is seldom a place where you're going to get quick results. Mark and I have worked together on a few things. Yeah, And I get criticized a lot because people will bring me in and they'll want, like, we need to do something. I was like, okay, yeah, it's going to be 18 months. <laughs> and I'm, like, making it up. That's, like, a guesstimation sometimes, but in actuality. But based on experience, But though. based on experience, like, yeah, it's going to be 18 months right. if everything goes well. And right. Yeah. It usually takes a little bit longer. And if you're lucky, it took 14 months. Right. Okay, great. Sometimes five years. And sometimes five years. Or in the yeah. case of Eight Street, that was 10 years. But... Because there's public space, is just there's so many interests, right? And like a city making investments in hard infrastructure, it's not like they just think of it next, you know, yeah. one year and the next year they're doing it. Yeah. They're six years, 10 years out. And if a really good engineering and planning department are working together, they might be thinking 15 years out. Might not be on paper yet. They might not be talking about it yet. But in the back of their mind, they're like, oh, if we do this street, Oh, then that'll lead to this and that'll lead to that. And then you got to assume <laughs> yeah. there's going to be how they some hiccups along another. the way. Right. And, you know, so and you got, you have to take that long. And you got three approach.
0: months each year to do it. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. up here, it's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: No, but really it's just about helping people understand that. It's great. We need more walk and roll folks out there who are advocating for change Unrecognized, it's like playing a tree. You're right. doing it for the next generation right. and the next generation after that.
1: When you're in, you know, polite conversation at a soiree or something, and you say, I work with Norte, and they don't know mm-hmm. what that is. Yeah, What's yeah. your p- elevator pitch? What's, what do you say to them?
2: Well, for Norte, I mean, we're youth-focused, happy, healthy, strong communities. Um, we want to just encourage everybody to get out there and stay active out there in the public space. And whether that's, you know, it's going for a nightly walk or maybe walking to school or walking to work in the morning, which is very accessible for people. Yeah. Um, or getting out on a bike, take that next step or getting out and, you know, putting like we have a youth mountain bike team and we get them out there and get them pushing off on the trails. And some of those develop into really hardcore, you know, racers. So, um, that's the racers aren't our focus. Um, but we're happy to get help them get there as well.
1: Sure. From the website, the mission. Norte builds stronger, better connected, and more walk-bike-friendly communities by empowering the young and the young at heart. Who's young at heart? Can that be anybody? That could be anybody. It's that's you, you Ryan. And I, that's you and I. Um, it's
2: Mark. Um, it's our grandparents. If they're still around, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, when you look at communities, it's eight and 80. Can we design a community where an eight-year-old and an 80-year-old can feel comfortable and encouraged to get out there and be active, right? Yeah. Um, Get out there to know their neighbors and get out there and visit the parks and stay active Yeah, generally.
1: And also from the website, and I really like how you spell out what you do best. So it's Active Life for Kids, Happy, Healthy, Strong Community, Grassroots Advocacy, and Youth Leadership. And I want to first focus on Youth Leadership. Can you share a little bit about the Youth Leadership Council?
2: Yeah, well, we call it the literato, um, but... Youth Leadership Council is easier for me to say. <laughs> leaders, right? So we're building young leaders. That's, a, I want to say, four years in, in its making. And it. our goal is to pull from the region, five, six, seven county region, and pull these older teenagers into the Youth Council and help them guide Norte, help them create what they need in their community. So just give them the tools and the experience to do that, as well as, you know, some of them... They get first dibs on jobs with Norte in terms yeah. of assistant coaches, and they help run our bike valet. So, you know, they're all looking for summer jobs. So that's a nice yeah, nice sure. side function to what, that. Uh,
1: what age ranges do you typically see getting involved in that? Typically, it's in that
2: mid-teenager, mm-hmm. 14, 15, 16, but any teenager up there, 13 to 18. Wow. So we, we actually, just this past year, graduated our first two from the youth council. they're going on to college now. In nice. Oh, that's incredible. So, nice. Yeah, nice to see.
1: So you went to Northern Michigan University where you earned a bachelor's in international and global studies. And at that time, you're at school. What was the end game? What did you want to walk out of school doing?
2: (laughs) That's a long story. It's a lot about me. So I don't know if we want to go down that road. This uh, is
1: just as much about you. But like when you walked out, what did you want to step right into?
2: Yeah, I didn't. Um, (laughs) I originally went to Northern Michigan as an English major, ended up basically after a semester. The following year, I spent a year in China through Northern Michigan University. So when I came back, that English major, I actually probably made negative ground towards it. Um, <laughs> so I worked with a key professor who was my Chinese history professor, and we basically changed my major to international studies with um, Native American Studies minor, which I actually tied into international studies, which was cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Northern was flexible enough to let me do that. And, you know, my goal to get out of Northern was to get a degree. And then I, right. I went back to China to continue and studying you Chinese. Taught in Asia. Is that correct? Yeah. It's taught in Taiwan for two and a half years and Incredible. then went to grad school in China. So
1: and you are, or have been a public servant having served as city commissioner for the city of Traverse city, 2013 to 17. You're a writer. Yeah. New York times published photographer. And as we talked about an educator. So how do all these skills kind of Combine together to help you succeed in the role that you're in right now.
2: I think it's a lot of it is like why I always thought about why am I interested in urban planning. You know, I don't have any urban planning degrees. I have a lot of self knowledge and a lot of time spent at conferences and stuff, and a lot of book reading. But I think more importantly is when I was living abroad in China, Australia, and then some travels. That's where I honed my photography skills, and it's also where I honed my cultural geography skills, um, if you may, which is a lot of urban planning and design, how people interact with each other, how do people interact in social spaces, and just started to realize how important design is. Mm -hmm. So I like to say locally, you know, a lot of our problems on the streets and in public spaces is, you know, why are we surprised? It's designed for people to go 50 down your neighborhood street. It's 36 feet wide. There's no parking. And you, you can take the curve going 30 miles an hour. So, right. yeah, of course they're going 55 down your neighborhood street. It's designed that way, right? Interesting. So, I mean, that might be a little bit of hyperbole, hyperbole yeah, there, yeah. but um, you yeah, get my point. Yeah. But when you travel and when you're training yourself to see the world differently, you start to notice like how different places do things differently uniquely to value different things, right? Right. So if you're valuing people in that public space of coming together and getting people out active and socializing, you know, we can all close our eyes and see those pictures of plazas in Italy and stuff, right? That was designed that way. (laughs) Um, And they, you know, they've lost some of it with the introduction of cars in the 1950s, but they've also fought to get it back. So, you know, we also had those types of spots and we just... Uh, you know, we tore them down, and that gets into a whole complication of complicated things. But
0: think of our neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, you know, just completed the sidewalk Traverse project. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Traverse Heights neighborhood is a great example. I mean, it was one of my final votes is to move forward on bonding for up to four million dollars to put sidewalks in Traverse Heights, mainly Traverse Heights, some other places too, because there were just no sidewalks here. There was just an incomplete network of sidewalks. So. Here, we actually, in Traverse Heights Elementary School, there's actually a lot of kids who do walk because that's what they need to do to get to school. And so it was kind of mind-boggling that there wasn't sidewalks yeah, to that
0: point. Yeah, for, for an example, these sidewalks weren't here for my kids when they were learning to ride a bike or when they were going to the elementary school that we lived too close for them to get a bus. Yeah, exactly. So they're not getting, they're not riding the bus, but there wasn't a sidewalk. In wintertime, you know, that's, that's dangerous. You know, yeah. Anytime that's dangerous, but especially winter. So. Yeah.
2: Norte just in the last, eh, about five years ago, started working with the city of Traverse City as well as TCAPS, 10 10 schools in Traverse City for a federal grant, Safe Routes to School grant, which is another $1.2 million towards completing sidewalks around schools and trails and paths and bike lanes. And that's happening right now. So, you know, by the end of this year, I think we'll be up to about nine miles of new sidewalk with another three to come next year, I believe, if I have my math right. Extraordinary. Yeah, which is huge. And, you know, at the pace we were going, we meaning the city, I do say we a lot as a former city commissioner because you're just <laughs> so used to it, but we as a city, and it really is proper to say that because it takes a lot of citizen support to come out and to make those big investments. However, 12 years ago, we were looking at the sidewalk plan and there was a plan to fill the gaps. It was a 107year plan, like at the rate we were doing it, and it was like, that makes no And yeah, I, you know I'm yeah. going'm going to stop there because I already just said it takes time yeah. at the city, but that 107 years to complete the sidewalk, that's not a planned success. That's just you not doing anything. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So that's how we got to let's jump start and kickstart the sidewalk gap with bonding and the Safe Roster School Grant and right. whatever else we can do to make yeah. sure sidewalks are going in.
1: Well, what they did to start, I think, was tremendous in that they started these bike trains. Yep. And they just tried to encourage neighborhood kids. Totally. Yeah.
2: Make it safe, right? If you can, that critical mass theory, right? If you got enough kids and enough adults with them, they're going to be safe. They're going to feel safe. It's going to be fun. Yeah. No.
1: And it got a ground swelling, and people were on board. And obviously, parents were supporting this. And so, you've mentioned the sidewalk projects. You've done things like putting portable bike racks at neighborhood bus stops. Are there any other small projects like that that you're focused on aside from the big things like the sidewalks?
2: All the time, we're
1: open to anything.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just actually we just wrote about not quite transportation related, but we wrote wrote about um he's a teacher at Elk Rapids Lakeland Elementary. His name's Kip Knight, fifth grade teacher, and his idea was he just wanted to get kids more active, and he liked what Norte was doing, so he reached out to us. He's like, and this is during the pandemic, so it's like we weren't going into schools anymore. He's like, can I just borrow some bikes? So he borrowed some bikes from us, set up a of course on this like empty land around the track area, <laughs> and the homeroom teachers will book time to go out with the kids during the day, or the kids will use it during the recess, or they'll just swing by if they they live nearby. He also did that same theory with cross country skiing at the school. So oh, really? He, he like groomed a trail for kids to go out cross-country skiing in the wintertime just to keep them active keep their brains moving da-da-da-da. and he was telling stories just of like you know these kids that go out biking during the school day now they want to bike with their families so they're talking to their families about yeah, it and yeah like, right families are starting to be like well how can i how can we bike more and so they're getting involved in yeah. programs or just you know going out and getting bikes if yeah. they can
1: yeah going back to happy healthy strong communities and you said it before and you have Advocates now trying to get kids outside, but you've got competition from like every movie on the internet, phones, video games, and you're looking at, you know, cutting down on the aggressive car lines, eliminating pollution. When you look at what you're doing, how do you judge your success?
2: Yeah. And that's going forward, to be honest, is what we needed to get better at. Right now, we're looking at the raw numbers mm-hmm. in like, the growth.
1: Side. Right. Right.
2: And we can see that there's a definite demand and desire for families and kids to get out, stay active, but they need to be invited and they need to feel safe and feel like they can participate as well. You know, so that's why it's very important for us to have like community slow rolls every Wednesday night during the summer where we're going slow. You're in a big group. It's totally safe. There's no race happening here. (laughs) We will go as slow as the slowest denominator, um, very accessible to that, you know, but if you get more active and you start to be, you know, you want to go a little faster, we have some of those avenues as well. Yeah. And I think that's highly critical. I think I lost the strain of your first, your initial question, but. um,
1: Well, just measuring success. Car line's shorter this year. Totally. or
2: Yeah. You know, we're not measuring, we're not out there counting cars at this right, point, right. but we definitely do. Every year we participate in uh, the walk to school day where we Ask folks to register with us if they're walking to school that day, do a little competition with it. But it's like those numbers, we want to see those go up, and we're measuring that year to year. We also do a travel tally for kids um, every year in terms of how are you getting to school, how far away do you live from school, are you walking, biking, do you park and ride? Because that's another option, too. Rural areas don't have to go from zero to 100 in terms of walking and biking to school every day. Like do it when you can and let's just work in some activity, physical activity yeah. to start the day or end the day. You know, I used to take a kid to school and what I would do was just park three blocks away, you know, just walk them, walk them in. That's just that extra little activity, yeah. really not that much more time on my part. And I don't have to wait in a car line. I can like, I can just avoid the whole car line yeah, deal and have an enjoyable walk yeah. instead.
1: Norte, what I really like is you talk about biking being a sign of independence. And I, I certainly remember the halcyon days in the summer of yeah. I get up, I'd be on my bike, and I'd be home before dark for dinner. and it's Kid dark. Kid dark. But yeah. it felt like a long time yeah, with nobody checking up on me. Are we in a community that fosters that, like, kids can just be on their bikes all, all day, or, or is it more guarded than the 1980s?
2: I think it's definitely more guarded. Yeah. Um, Partly just because the maybe the vehicles are larger and faster. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, there's probably a lot of uh, reasons why it has changed a little bit. There's it seems does seem to be a little bit less freedom. Some of that might be a good thing. I don't sure. think our generation looking at, you know, the Gen X generation. We was, probably weren't
1: very safe. <laughs> we, we weren't
2: really known for having uh what, what was the term? Latchkey. Right? Yeah, we we yeah, were just yeah. a bunch of latchkey kids. So there's a lot of freedom when you're, you know, left to your own.
0: There's a lot of goofy things that we did that were lucky kids didn't die. Exactly. Just, you and
2: know. A lot, you know, so I don't want to like look nostalgic on my childhood or anything in terms <laughs> yeah. of that. Although, you know, I've written about it, and it was, it it taught me independence. Wouldn't it have been great if I could be taught that independence while being in a safe environment? And um, knowing it's safe. And knowing it's safe, and knowing my parents, like, aren't worried, right? And knowing that they trust that there's education that's happening along with that independence and freedom. I'm sorry, this
1: podcast is not trying to infer that our parents didn't care about us, but, you know— I'm totally saying that. <laughs> Looking at, at Norte, I, I know your missions. It, I would have
2: loved a Norte program. Put it that way. Yeah. Like, you I, know, yeah, that would have been awesome. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're dropping you off at this camp. You're going to go agree. biking all day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that
1: sounds awesome. It, it, it's more social. I remember totally. just being alone on my bike a lot, going to the comic book store. But yeah. this is creating friendships that could last a lifetime. But Norte, I know you focus on accessibility and safety. Mm-hmm. Safety is a big thing. You've talked about it before. And anyone biking and walking in our community has to worry about that. As a continually growing tourist town with more and more people from the outside, maybe not paying the best attention all the time, are there ways you try to educate that populace as well? Because I've seen some fairly ignorant drivers out there with plates. You know, to be honest,
2: it's not. I think the education for me, the best education for me, happens with just um, modeling best behavior as well as being out there. I mean, I talk a lot about traffic calming when we talk about how we redesign a street, mm-hmm. but really the best traffic calming is people. Like, if you get a street that's full of people doing things, mm-hmm. cars are going to slow down, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> or when we drive, we're going to slow down. Great example of that, I was recently in Bear Lake for the Bear Lake Festival, and I don't know, Bear Lake, it's basically, yeah. what is it, M22 just runs through it, right? Mm-hmm. People were, like, everywhere, and... Uh, part of the street where you usually just fly through going 50 miles an hour through Bear Lake, now they're going 15. And that wasn't because of any traffic calming that happened. It was because there was people everywhere. And, you know, my main point is if visitors are coming here and they're seeing like, oh, this is the culture of this place is to be out, to be active on your bike, walking, going to the parks, um, going downtown, park, you know, and like filling the streets with love and vibrancy read, um, you know, i think they will drive slower there just, are
1: concerns about people who are on their phones looking at directions yeah, and yeah. they're just not paying attention and to know ahead of time that this is a very bike and walk focused community please take some extra care
2: and i think they i mean the, nobody's looking at their phone if they're engaged with the street right well they're not i mean you just you can't you literally can't um and that's kind of what we want to create here is the expectation of hey, yeah, you might be driving through, but look how much fun's going on on the sidewalks and the crosswalks, on the trails. Yeah. And people are out here active. That's what kind of town it is. Yeah. And that awareness is an education sure. that just happens culturally and socially.
1: You mentioned TCAPs. Right now, who are your most critical strategic partners? And if you had anyone to pick, like a big fish to land as a strategic partner, who would it be?
2: The thing about having it with school partners I mean, some are like Tcaps is so big, <laughs> you know we're always having to reengage with them, right? I mean, in my time at Norte, I think there's been three superintendents, so you know you kind of <laughs> yeah. you're kind of always having to reengage engage so, but having them on board and having the individual principals at different schools on board is so key. Yeah. It's just been a blessing for Norte to work with. We're starting to engage in what we have been for the last two, three years with Calcasca, but we're trying to you know deepen that relationship. And, you know, the schools are great, the village is great, but eventually we're going to have to address the um, highway that runs through downtown and that you have these great parks and the library and the village center on one side of the street, mm-hmm. you got the downtown business on the other, and then behind them you have the schools and the neighborhood, and they don't feel safe crossing their downtown street, their front street. Sure. And that has to be addressed, and we'd love to have Michigan Department of Transportation you know, like more empathetic <laughs> to that need of that community.
1: Yeah. Norte, which is interesting I think, you also offer consulting services, correct? Yeah. And can you speak to where your strengths lie there and what kind of clients engage you for this sort of yeah, thing? Yeah,
2: it's something we started because we just kept getting asked yeah. like, "Hey, can you help us?" <laughs> and uh, you know, a key there is there's other communities that look at Norte and love the model. Like, "Wow, that's great what you're doing. You're getting kids out and look how act look you can see the change in the community. Yeah. So it can be as simple as just a quick one day, one hour, two hours. Um, Zoom <laughs> like, Hey, here's how you set it up. Here's some tools you need to get a bike camp running, for instance, or, Oh, you want to do a slow roll. It's pretty easy here, 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 can let's you, help you up. Can you elaborate you on
1: what a slow roll is? And a lot of people, I think because you know, there's a, a big one that started in Detroit a while yeah, back. But, so can you kind of explain yeah, to the we're listeners? All, we're what? all
2: working off of that, you know, big slow roll in Detroit. So, um, basically is to call folks together who want to ride bikes together, but do so slowly, (laughs) um, you know, three, five, six, maybe 10 miles per hour. Um, and just go through town. A slow roll is basically, this might be one way to put it. I haven't really heard it put this way, but, um, a non-offensive critical mass and critical masses were like, Couriers, bike couriers, mm-hmm. and real aggressive types in big cities taking over the streets very right.
0: um, hostile. Yeah. Hus- but it, it's yeah. nearly <laughs> a parade or. Yeah, but a slow I, roll is just, I mean, hey,
2: we're neighbors who want to go for a bike ride. And, you know, we're going to do so in big groups. Yeah. And we're going to go slow. We're going to go not that far. And we're going to have Drinks afterwards, get some ice cream afterwards, yeah. and you know, and you're it's not on all community. the main
0: streets plugging up. Yeah, we're not traffic, plugging up the main arteries. you know,
2: it's no, gonna be no, no, not streets. Not and you know, Detroit, I love their slow roll because I, having biked glow, around, I got a tour around Detroit by bike. There's just so much open space. Yeah. yeah, this guy Chris comes to our slow roll, he's got big old horns on his bike, uh, <laughs> but we don't have anyone with riding low riders or anything like that. Like right. you see in Detroit, there's some great bikes down there, but
1: but it's a community. It's yeah. people who... Yeah,
2: come express yourself. That's I mean, that's really what that, it gets down that to. Is,
1: I think, an accurate way of putting it. It is expression. You're talking about this is what our town is for. This is why we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that. I love the, the fact that we have one. Um, is there anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners about what you have coming up? What's going on in general? Anything that we haven't sure, covered sure. with Norte?
2: Sure. I would like to say about the slow rolls, though, in these community rides. I mean, we've we do them in Traverse City and also Elk Rapids has one mm-hmm. and both communities have fully embraced them, you know, and when we have really large ones that we know about, you know, like, Hey, it looks like we're going to have a couple hundred people. Right. Traverse City Police Department has been more than generous to help us out. So
1: those are the kind of challenges you can encounter with that. It's maybe too big and it gets, you yeah, know. it just becomes a comfort level but like, and you want to
2: reach out and you want to be a good part of the community. Right. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, um, Chief O'Brien, <laughs> it looks like we're gonna have more than usual on Wednesday night. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to block certain intersections for us; that'd be great. <laughs> um, well,
0: then you just register like a parade, or well, you don't even. Have. They, they've been
2: great in terms of not uh, making us register because it's not a parade; it's like oh, okay. it's just a large group of people who've organically come to ride, yeah. you know. And uh, well, and
0: we're fortunate to have a police chief who's big on community policing totally, and, yeah. and, and, and that's being
2: part what, of community. and recognizing that we want to have that community spirit. Yeah. And so. Norte is great. You know, Norte is proud to be a part of that.
1: That's excellent. Anything else that's coming up? Uh, but we
2: also have after-school bike club. It's called Adventure Bike Club. Mm-hmm. Um, there's 15 schools that we work with, and we basically meet the kids after school at the schools and go for rides from the schools. And mm-hmm. so, you know, from Westwoods out in Long Lake to downtown schools, right? Right. Um, even Pathfinders in on that one. They're they're a little more challenging because of the M22, but we make it work. And then we also have mountain bike season, and that's Northern Michigan Regional Youth Mountain Bike Team. Um, and we have teams out in Palmer Woods, which is out in Leelanau County, Benzie, trying to, um, a new one opening up in Crystal Mountain, all the way up to Nub's Knob. Wow. Um, and then Kalkaska and Elk Rapids, and of course, Driver City. So that's a huge reach in terms of yeah. what, we, what we like to say the largest uh, youth mountain bike team in Michigan. and And partly because we, it's, we're not as competitive. So it's like first graders to 12th graders. Let's Mm -hmm. meet We'll meet them where they are um, and get them riding. that's the key. Get them riding.
1: And you do have a program where kids can get a bike and once they grow out of it, they can trade that in for a bike that fits them. Maybe the next time they need
2: it. Yep. The regional kids library. And that's, for bikes that they can take home and ride with their family and things of that nature. Uh, we also have program bikes, which is key as part of that library. So if a, a child is in one of our programs, whether it be mountain biking or adventure bike club or summer bike camp, and they don't have a um, you know a performance bike, a bike with gears and mm-hmm. um, something they can be comfortable on going on a little bit longer miles, they can check those out for the length of the program. That's extraordinary. Yeah, and thanks for a lot of donations for that to actually to yeah. come to be. It's We've bought a few of those bikes, but sure. most of them have been donated. McLean's Cycle & Fitness has been one of our largest donors of used bikes, but also other bike shops.
1: And on that note, how can listeners support Norte? How can they donate?
2: Well, <laughs> donating is pretty easy. Just go to our website, Um I'm sure maybe this podcast has a link on it. But also, um, you know, if you have a used bike, and you want to donate it. But we're pretty easy to find, it's too. You unique. can just Google Norte Traverse and we're Traverse popping City. up. Or yeah. even, you know, youth bike programs.
1: Well, thank you so much for being here. This was really, really amazing. It was so much fun learning more about what you do. And uh, can't thank you uh, enough for your pursuits and for all those who pursue along with you, ensuring a safe and thriving biking and walking community, empowering our youth to get outside and to be strong leaders. And to our listeners, thank you all for listening and for pursuing the positive.
0: Hey, thanks again for joining us on The Pursuit of Podcast, The Pursuit of Norte. I want to thank Gary Howe for coming in. To get involved with Norte, you can Google Norte, N-O-R-T-E, or go to Norte.org. E-L-G-R-U-P-O-N-O-R-T-E.org. I also want to give a shout out to our supporters, the Tin Lid Hat Company, tinlidco.com. Use promo code of for 40% off to our listeners. And for general podcasting, audio, visual production inquiries, look us up at newleonard.com.